you were here eight years, found F3. Mm-hmm. What drew you to F3? Tell me the story. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, even before I even heard of F3 in the last couple of years, I had been dialing in my kind of my buckets of like what I find to be important for my nucleus and my family. And there was four Fs. Mm. Uh, it was faith, uh, uh, friends, uh, finance, and fitness. Mm. And I was like, geez. And then I heard F3, like these are the three big Fs of this. And this is like something I should probably be involved in. Who brought in. you in? You know, I'd heard about it from a couple of people. Uh, Sasquatch mentioned it. And uh, and he had just mentioned it in passing. And then so I just showed up one day. Yeah. And I was doing CrossFit. Uh, I was coaching CrossFit. And and so I was plugged into that world for here locally for a bit, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed coaching. And then just um, wasn't a fit for me right you know, anymore. And so I, I was looking for a lot more camaraderie. Mm. And I knew. Did even, you know you were? Yeah, knew I was searching for camaraderie. Yes. Why? Um, from the Marine Corps and recognizing patterns in my life, when I was most successful and dialed in is when I had strong men, male leadership around me. So uh, I, when I first met my wife, I told her, I was like, hey, I, it's really important that I get some sort of guy time on a regular basis. And I think it's actually paramount for all guys. All guys need it. And, uh, and that's pretty, you know, and she's like, all guys? I'm like, yes, all guys. And, and and they don't they might not know no, they need it correct yeah and they can make it it could become a bad out outlet right correct if with gotta, the wrong group right if I if I gotta stop by the yeah. bar every night before I come home totally and yeah. you know yeah. I gotta need that guy time mm-hmm. then that can be a bad thing it can be it can be yeah. and and that's and that's when I started to recognize with F three was wow there's really not much negative other than time mm-hmm. that can be drawn away. But other than that, it's a lot of giving back. Like when I leave those environments, I am rejuvenated. Yeah. And it's important. And I'm a huge believer in waking up in the morning uh, and working out. So it's checking a lot of boxes. Were um, you always a, a big believer of that? Yeah. Why? I knew for myself, I was a pretty um, hyperactive kid. I was a boy, you mm-hmm. know, like, and so my mind's a laser show 90% mm-hmm. of the time. And so in order for me to be successful, or win the day by at least 1%, hopefully, uh, uh, consistently, my day has to start off winning with yeah. a layered success in my book. And this is on the weekends when I don't go to work. I need to be doing something active to get a win in the column yeah. in order for me to feel accomplished for the day. And F3 does that yeah. massively. Whether the workouts are super hard or not, but I'm, I'm rejuvenated through mail leadership with me, guys who aren't afraid to speak their mind and me for to listen because they don't have the time to argue back because we're working out, yeah. but something might get tossed and passing. And then it makes you think. And then on top of that, the coffee and camaraderie after is super engaging. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's very surface, which is good too. Uh, and so it's got a really great balance of that. And it provides the opportunity for an outlet to lead. And the one thing that I thought was really interesting was my first cue and then subsequent cues after when you go and lead a workout, that's 100% voluntary in a sense where you're leading grown men of very similar uh, lifeboat through something hard and there's no questions asked. Yeah. Whereas in everywhere else in our life, whether it be church, there's no, there's no massive struggle through that. And you're placed there generally by somebody else to do it because you're working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Whether it be like another institution, hey, would you take over this little project? Or, hey, my job needs me to do this. So there's another heightened sense of variability or Un- uncomfortable, being uncomfortable to go do that as a volunteer element, and when all the other guys are looking at you when you're in the middle of the circle. So it was something I didn't felt even in the Marine Corps when hmm. I was placed there by the U.S. government to lead 40 guys. Yeah. So it was really cool 
to get that under your belt. And so that's a tool that you now have forever of a sense of accomplishment and, and confidence. Hello and welcome to Chris Wolf Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation about F3 with my friend Tyson Compton. Uh, and we talked about leadership. We talked about what brings us to the table with uh, a workout to start our day, as well as kind of our thoughts on why we needed this as men. Uh, so please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your colleagues, and support those who support us. I want to talk about the My Day Multifocal for a second. It's just coming out, and we had the opportunity to do a preclinical trial with this lens this last summer. And there were a couple of things that I thought were really helpful. The first one is that it is different than a lot of the multifocals that we've used before in our practices where patients, especially early emerging presbyopes, really managed the, it didn't cause a lot of additional uh, distance blur for them. And the other thing that was really helpful was, because we've never been involved in a clinical trial before, was to understand uh, the sort of questions that we might ask our patients. And we ask a pa- our patients a lot of questions about their patient about their satisfaction with a contact lens, but what we weren't doing was actually having them score that themselves. So one of the parts of this that was really interesting to me was asking patients on a scale of one to 10, how they would score their vision, how they would score their comfort in their current lenses, and then how they would do the same on their uh, new lenses. And it showed me a lot of times where patients would say they were happy, might rate their vision as a six or a seven. And um, and then it also reframed their thinking about their current satisfaction in their lenses and allowed me to open up the door to offering other solutions. So if you haven't tried something like that in your clinical practice, I would encourage you to. And I would also encourage you to try the MyDay Multifocal for your patients. When you, so you've been an F3 for how long? So going on, this will be my second year coming on the summer. So uh, in the summer, so I started in uh, late June of 2020. You were close to me. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right before. Mm-hmm. Then um, your. So give me a little bit of sense of your background. I, I every time we talk, I kind of think that there's this. Um, you know, you learned a lot in the Marines. There was kind of this big background. I would suspect that most people would. Mm-hmm. Tell me about um, what you can and want to talk about yeah, sure. in terms of, of your experience as a Marine and, and how that kind of translates into what you're doing right now. It seems to me when we talk, uh, a lot of that bleeds through. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me because yeah. I wasn't, I didn't serve. Well, so one thing that's really interesting, I guess the following the Marine Corps, the evaluation I have looking back was the Marine Corps was was a tool in a sense to really bring out more of who I really was versus trying to develop somebody who I was trying to be. So a lot of the things that I uh, was learning about myself or wanted to um, help grow and mature or things that I believed were fine-tuned by be, by going through the Marine Corps. Uh, my dad served in the Vietnam War, he's in the Navy. I've had uncles that were all, my uncle was in the Navy, my other uncle was in the Army. So there was a, some history there that I uh, was compelled that was close to the surface for me. Uh, and then interned in Washington, D.C. and met some other uh, veterans or active duty guys that- What was your internship? I worked with um, Senator Chuck Hagel at the time, as well as Congressman Jeff Fortenberry for the summer, and was really immersed in that that world in D.C. Jeff's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's an interesting guy. Well, I think- you know, I, um, you know, it's it would be interesting to be in politics, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh! You don't I, have any, so you must have some sort of idea that that could fit your 
suit yeah, you? You know, um, I've always been one to, it's, I always have thought, hey, if not me, then who? Kind of an idea. So have you my, thought that about everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if somebody doesn't stand up, then who's going to, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And at times that's blessing and a curse. Sometimes you step too quick and you're really not the right role. Or sometimes you're trying to lead when you should be the one following. There's some, there's some battles there. But I've always really believed that because um, nothing gets done on the sidelines kind of mentality. But uh, looking at that at DC uh, was really interesting seeing the microcosm that Washington is. And this is from an intern's perspective. So lonely intern from liberal arts university college in Nebraska. You know, I mean, I was the lowest on the totem pole in terms of academic prowess in my <laughs> pool of interns. I mean, there was Harvard people, Stanford. I mean, I was, but common sense wise, I was. I felt like I was far beyond. And um, but seeing those people operate or try to maneuver and navigate was really interesting. You say interesting. Was it dirty? No, I didn't say dirty. It was always calculated in the sense that they're they're playing game of chess, mm. and they're always always. Try, always always. And I felt you never in my role in the office you never saw vulnerability. You never saw the attempt of human vulnerability from any of them, which was interesting because they can't leave a crack. There's can't, no cracks nope. in the facade. Yeah, you know that was something. Um, and they are always had to be on. And I, I, found, I saw for the first time seeing like, oh, he's just a politician type. Mm. And that is a real stereotype that you see in how they, they act and interact. And that was kind of strange. So does that, is that kind of lead you away from something oh, yeah. that you'd want to do there? I have, could, could it be done in your, obviously your limited, limited yeah, role yeah. And, and exposure. Could you have a real human being in that place? Uh-huh. I think you could. I would never say never. I think you could. I think on top of that, it's really important you're surrounding yourself with really with people that can tell you the truth and that you can listen to. Um, but the hard part is, I don't know at times if the public even wants that, and that's who votes you in. I, I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't think they can handle that. Yeah, personally. Yeah. I mean, well, because you have um, you have you know the dogs barking in the background is never going to come across on MSNBC right. or CNN yeah. or Fox news. So it's got to be completely perfect. Polished. And any, and, and we're less forgiving, I think as a society, mm-hmm. I think we're, um, you know, we, we act like we're loving and we're caring, but yeah. we're, we're so far from that. And I, yeah. I'm not, I think yeah. I'm the same way, you yeah. know, uh, I try to, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. but as we were talking about before, there's times where you, um, you might see somebody and you're like, yeah, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm not going to maybe reach out and um, say, hey, let's shield lock, mm-hmm. right? Right. Maybe, you know, I'll see them at beatdowns. I'll yeah. chat with them a little bit, but mm-hmm. they're not kind of the, the the guy that I'm going to like, but maybe I should. Yeah, that's you hard. I mean? Yeah. That's that's a that's a really great analogy to it, the, the shield lock. And for those of the people that don't know shield lock, it's really a bonding of a group of men that have some common threads that are wanting to hold each other accountable and push each other to the next level of being a better man on all levels. But um, yeah, I'm the same way. It's, it's that it's that reluctancy to succumb to a, a group of being one to be vulnerable to you. There's more demanding upon you as a responsibility as another leader in the group. And that, those are hard things. Those are because you already are wearing a lot of those hats in other realms. And now you have to do it again somewhere else. That's an internal battle that a lot of us, you know, struggle with at times or don't want to give into. Well, I think also when you think about politicians and mm-hmm. politics, 
uh, the reason you always have to be on is because you can't make a gaffe. Right. There's no gaffes. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm just as bad of it. You know, if I, if there's a politician that I don't agree with their politics, you know, they're on the other side yeah. of the issue than I am. Then if I hear them make a gaffe, I'm just like, oh, this guy's, you know, then, then I just want to lay into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm way more forgiving of my guy, mm-hmm. right. Who would agree grace. with me on my issue. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. Just give him grace. Mm-hmm. Give him grace. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's gotta be some, I don't know that, um, I don't know the answer to it, but, no. but I think the, the point is, is that there's certainly things that are, aren't just gaffes that mm-hmm. are actually in fact, something that you should be opposed to yeah. versus like giving somebody grace because they stumbled on their words right. or they, right. you know, <clears throat> and we just aren't good at that. Yeah. And that's why I think you're right. I mean, it, or I think it would be hard to be a human Yeah, uh, and hard to just say, look, this is what I think and I'm willing to change my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, but this is, and, and then, uh, but we're every, it's a gotcha game. Mm-hmm. It's a gotcha game. Yeah. Where can we talk? Where, where's the target at next? What can we hit next? You know, you know what I think? I think, um, from a politics standpoint, I think local politics mm-hmm. doesn't get into that as much because it's mm-hmm. harder to make it national. Well, there's less magnifying glasses. Exactly. Right. So, you know, city councils, which are under fire now just yeah. because of all the mandates. And, yeah. And we um, just had it happen. The other day, because a, a, t- a tweet got leaked, or a, a text message got leaked in the Westside School ba- uh, District battle. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, so there was a gentleman that basically had texted a group of people to say, hey, vote for these Westside School Board um, uh, elector- electees. It was from somebody from Westside? Yes, yeah, so I'm in that, in that school community. Mm. Uh, and you can reference the article in World Herald. And... Um, Basically, uh, uh, reflecting some views on the CRT mm. being implemented in the school uh, pr- curriculum, and then all of a sudden, the four names that were dropped all removed themselves from the, the race, huh. stating it wasn't because of this text message that was leaked to the public, but it, yeah, really the optics on it really looked like it was. So know? they, so to get the story straight, mm-hmm. somebody. Uh, sent a text out to say, "Hey, vote for these people. Yeah, give your support." Right, and then once once that came out, those four people just said, "You know, we're removing our," which yeah. is actually kind of honorable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they, maybe they got caught, maybe <laughs> they didn't, but it it's sort of, um, you know, to give grace, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. sort of honorable to say one way or the other. I don't know what yeah. their politics right. were, um, or the other side would be. Hey, you know what? That's not necessarily my fully point of view, but I do, and I do not believe that to be in the, should be in our school curriculum. Uh, and I'm not going to let this deter me to making the change I see fit in the school district. Like yeah. one or the other, you know, as long as you take the stand. Yeah. But if you don't own up to it, too, at the same time, it's like, well, how do you explain the coincidence of all four of us dropping out in reference to those names in that text? It's just kind of unusual. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think the overarching point is I think the more I mean that stuff is still going to happen. Yeah, the obvious stuff is still going to happen. But the but I think the smaller you get, the more local you get in yeah. politics, the less it is, and yeah. that's why you can have you know people that are human yeah. in the in the state legislature. Yeah, for, example. for sure. You um, know the the farmer that yeah. you know or the the local lawyer. I mean that's that's cool. You know the doctor because that was what it was intended for. It wasn't for all these bureaucratic previous law degree guys. It's like. You know the, the the business owner, the the physician, you know all these you know uh, conglomerate of professions and viewpoints. Yeah, that's how it's designed. Yeah, I I wonder, you know, in in the federal government, I wonder that you know I've always often thought that you know no matter what side you're in, mm-hmm. you know you win, you're a freshman guy, you're sort of an outsider, you you got in. Mm-hmm. That my sense is, and I don't I don't know if this is I'm probably this probably isn't true, but my sense is is like. They bring you in, pat you on the back, stick you in a back room and say, listen, buddy, you got in with all of this kind of, <laughs> we're going to change things in Washington. 
no, you're changing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you're going to play by the rules. Otherwise, you're not going to do anything. You're not getting any money next yeah. time. So, I mean, that's kind of a jaded perspective. I think there's probably some truth in that, though. I, Maybe not spoken. Yeah. I mean, I just remember hearing about, oh, we have to meet with this this uh, this lobbyist group. This lobby. They, hey, they, they paid for time with you. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of conversations you'd overhear in the rumblings. Oh, hey, we may make sure those give those guys time. Hey, we're going off site to go do this. You know, like uh, we're going to meet with those kind of – and just rumblings, nothing major. Just like they had to owe time to those people because – you were tied to them through a chain of money or obligation. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, when I think about, um, you know, why political involvement is important, it, you know, a a lot of people will talk about money, Mm -hmm. but, but actually it's, it's way deeper than that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, money can cover up for some things, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you were going to run and I was like, you know, Tyson, I I believe in what you're in, what you stand for. We may not agree on everything, but mm-hmm. I, I know you. Uh, we can communicate back and forth. Yeah. Let me pound some signs in your yard. Let me yeah. knock on some doors sure. for you. And those relationships, that actually, those true relationships mm-hmm. uh, ought to be, and I think in most cases, trump a lot of those dollars. Yeah. And and that's where like individuals like you and I mm-hmm. can make an impact, mm-hmm. at least locally, where, yeah. where you can say, look, I can give you 500 bucks, mm-hmm. maybe 100 bucks, mm-hmm. but- I can, I believe in you and yeah. I'm going to talk to my neighbors about you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and those relationships and when you need them, mm-hmm. most people don't cultivate that until they need it. Yeah. It's and almost too late almost. It's, 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 it is too late. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, it's now you need me, you bring me around versus where were you at? You know, and, and I think you see that even in your own local businesses, like, you know, you, you're in optometry, you know, I appreciate people that um, pay it forward, even if they haven't used my services, they're talking about the type of person they're going to do business with. Because in my mind, it truly matters to the type of people you're in business with. Yeah. It's the type of people you surround yourself with. So it's, I, we're not a means to an end. We're still a small community supporting one another in our endeavors and trying to make a difference where we can, where, you know, uh, grow where you're planted kind of thing. So, I mean, that, even on a, on a very um, anecdotal situation, I mean, s- s- scenario, that's very true, you know, versus like, oh, now that we've, gotten this done it's not transactional this is like we're trying to build relationships through this you know yeah Yeah. well i think that's where it really comes down to it is is when it doesn't become transactional you Mm -hmm. missed yesterday um when uh, we were doing a tnt yeah and one of the things that kind of stuck with me and it was very similar to our q source that we had last week about um missionality and do you dive deeper into this one thing Mm -hmm. are you robbing somebody else from from that one thing if you're spreading out too broad but uh the reason i bring it up is um the the perception oftentimes from outsiders can be well you're getting this that's why you're doing that and um, one of the questions that came up or one of the ideas that came up that I've been sort of noodling for a bit because I heard it on a podcast of what is your agenda? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you could put it on your shirt, right. what's your agenda? And maybe agendas are different in different mm. scenarios. Mm. But, um, but that's one thing that it actually was a challenge for us to, to hash through because if I, were to, if I were to say, Tyson, what's your missionality? Right. What's your mission? What's your why? I suspect, and it, I didn't realize this until after we tried to go through this process, but um, 
if you were to ask, if it, let me put, let me flip it on me. Yeah. If you were to ask me, what's my mission? What's my why? Mm-hmm. My suspicion is I would analyze a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and I probably could tell you that I want to take care of patients. Mm-hmm. I want to help doctors in practice take better care of patients, mm-hmm. and um, and I want to build community, mm-hmm. the inside the profession and outside of the profession. But if I were to, if if you were to ask me, what's my agenda? Yeah. Now, isn't that an interesting? flip and it's yes. almost the same and it's almost the same question but what it forces me to do mm-hmm. is wonder is everything i'm doing uh altruistic mm-hmm. or do i have an agenda that's underlying all of that that could potentially be at least perceived to be negative yeah so it was an you know it, i don't think the podcaster that i was listening to his name is uh peter atia mm-hmm. and it's a great podcast it's called drive mm-hmm. uh it's all about healthcare stuff but mm-hmm. um Anyway, uh, I don't think he was intending it to be negative, but mm-hmm. I was thinking like everybody in the group was kind of struggling with the idea of the difference between a mission or a why and an agenda. That's yes. Mm-hmm. And I think the question uh, forces you to analyze, okay, well, what? how is this self-serving? Well, I guess I'd pose the one question, okay, so does agenda equal ulterior motives? Does it? Okay. So that's one thing I'd want to like dive into when I hear that. And the other thing that I ask is when I hear agenda versus mission, <laughs> agenda is finite. Mission can be transcendent mm-hmm. and, and, and infinite. So you could pass along your mission to somebody through legacy. Right. Whereas agenda is short, so short served almost in my own mentality, how I think that their agenda to me. Here's my agenda on this piece of paper. When yeah. we get to the bottom of the paper, we're done. In game. Yeah. Mission just keep turning the page. Mm. And so if if that's a way that through through conditioning of those terminology, how does your mindset shift if you start talking about, hey, our mission and our practice is this versus our agenda and our practice is this? Mm. There's just a different it's a it's, you know, you've the 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 quote that I would use there is, you know, uh change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So they're close, agenda, mission, but vastly different in terms of perception at times, depending on your audience. So I think that's I, I mean, that's a whole other hour. That could be an hour conversation in itself about agenda versus mission and um, how do you decipher. Did you feel like your experience in the Marines, so I, mm-hmm. I kind of skipped around, yeah. but did that help you clarify um, what your mission was going to be, both in the small sense and then in the larger sense of where you are now? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think at t- also it probably made it more cloudy at times. I mm. think there's a little bit of both there. Um, anytime you 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 broaden your horizons of of knowledge of just in terms of how the world works, all of a sudden you can't unknow things. And I think, uh, you know. When I was in the Marine Corps, that's when uh, Osama bin Laden was killed. I remember us, all of us Marine infantry officers, were getting ready to go to bed. We were waiting for this big announcement, watching us one TV down the um, down in the Hawk, which is a little bar in the barracks we were living in, and we shouted for joy. Mm. Right. Well, now flash forward, and that was a very patriotic moment for us. We were all training to go to war. Like that's what we were trained to do. lead Marines into war, into combat, like very, very intense situations. And we were all hyper focused. Now, fast uh, forward 10, 15 years, your perception or your, or your, your, of that situation, that in its sense is an altruistic motive in itself because it's so focused and it's for one singular goal for somebody else's mission or agenda. Mm. 
Now you pull back and you see some of these uh, these curtains get pulled back on what's going on in the government and how the transparency is sometimes good, sometimes not necessary. And now you're like, well, not necessarily that situation itself, but many situations like that might not feel the same now as they would have back then because of the people's agenda. Yeah. And yeah. and what you know more, I mean, and, and the fact that you know more. Yeah. But, but why do you think that is? Why do you think there's such a different perception between your experience mm-hmm. and uh, a person that's going to look at that in, the, in in hindsight once they know those things and not have a, and, and actually go the other direction? Yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, um, it's, I think you fall into the same. I was listening to Jordan Peterson, and Joe Rogan the last couple of days. Uh, and it's on my short list. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's a four hour podcast. So it takes a few days, right? And You're going to be here a while. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I think it can't, they were talking, and I'm using the analogy, they were talking about, um, <clears throat> I, I reference it back to children. You and your wife have raised a number, or are currently raising a number of children. Mm-hmm. All of them have different personalities. Largely, your per, your your parenting structure hasn't deviated too much from the middle, left or right of that, just based upon the child. Right. But their personalities vary greatly, so that in its sense is almost a variable to human the human condition, human nature is like their entire existence and conditioning is going to shape them the one way or the other based upon their own experiences and also their own inherent makeup. Uh, so. Those are those things I don't know. You don't. I can't explain. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's just interesting that you know you you know that that scenario that you were put through can mm-hmm. create Tyson Compton today. Yes. But that same scenario that you were put through could create somebody who just can't escape. You yeah. know the pain of any. You know of of battle right. or the pain of realizing that mm-hmm. their mission wasn't as altruistic mm-hmm. as they they once thought it was. So I think one of the really common threads that I knew to be true but was solidified through the military was ultimate accountability, extreme ownership, like what your decision you're going to make matters with a second a secondary and tertiary effects. Mm. And so decisions matter or lack of decisions is still a decision itself matters. And there's consequences with that. Um, you know, the constant conversation as an officer is troop welfare versus mission accomplishment. And that was always set, which one's more important? Well, none is neither more important than the other. However, one sometimes takes precedence because not everybody wins in each scenario. So if you go 100% troop, uh, troop welfare, that's comfort. Yep. Well, comfort's not meant for war, right? Or battle, or even heavy, heavy decisions. Comfort's meant for like uh, rejuvenation, rest, and then getting back into uncomfortability. And then mission accomplishment is severe uncomfortability at times, to the point of somebody might get hurt because of people can't think clearly, right? right? Uh, or killed. So that's an extreme uh, situation that most Americans don't really understand. And I didn't go to combat, but we trained for it. And so the guys that were actually in Afghanistan, Iraq, or previous conflicts would be able to speak even more in depth about the the psychological effects of that. But uh, what we do has major effects for to ourselves and the people around us. Yeah. Mm. So then, what in, in all of that? Mm-hmm. So you spent about my my numbers are probably wrong, but you spent after all of that experience, you spent about eight years here mm-hmm. before you you found F three. Yeah. Is that right? That's correct. So you, you mm-hmm. spent four years in the military. Yep. Um, and then uh, and then you you were here eight years, found F3. Mm-hmm. What drew you to F3? Tell me the story. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, even before 
I even heard of F3 in the last couple of years, I had been dialing in my kind of my buckets of like what I find to be important for my nucleus and my family. And there was four Fs. Hmm. Uh, it was faith, uh, uh, friends, uh, finance, and fitness. Hmm. And I was like, geez. And then I heard F3, like these are the three big Fs of this. And this is like something I should probably be involved in. Who brought in. you in? Uh, you know, I'd heard about it from a couple of people. Uh, Sasquatch mentioned it. And uh, and he had just mentioned it in passing. And then so I just showed up one day. Yeah. And I was doing CrossFit. Uh, I was coaching CrossFit. And and so I was plugged into that world for here locally for a bit, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed coaching. And then just um, wasn't a fit for me right you know, anymore. And so I, I was looking for a lot more camaraderie. Mm. And I knew. Did even, you know you were? Yeah, knew I was searching for camaraderie. Yeah. Yes. Why? Um, from the Marine Corps and recognizing patterns in my life. When I was most successful and dialed in is when I had strong men, male leadership around me. So, uh, I, when I first met my wife, I told her I was like, "Hey, I, it's really important that I get some sort of guy time on a regular basis." And I think it's actually paramount for all guys. All guys need it. And uh, and that's a pretty, you know. And she's like, "All guys?" I'm like, "Yes, all guys." And 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 they don't they may not know they no, need it correct yeah and they can make it it could become a bad out outlet right correct if with I the gotta, wrong group right if I if I gotta stop by the yeah. bar every night before I come home totally and yeah. you know yeah. I gotta need that guy time mm -hmm. then it can be a bad thing it can be it can be yeah. and and that's and that's when I started to recognize with F three was wow there's really not much negative other than time mm -hmm. that can be drawn away. But other than that, it's a lot of giving back. Like when I leave those environments, I am rejuvenated. Yeah. And it's important. And I'm a huge believer in waking up in the morning uh, and working out. So it's checking a lot of boxes. Were um, you always a, a big believer of that? Yeah. Why? I knew for myself, I was a pretty um, hyperactive kid. I was a boy, you mm -hmm. know, like, and so my mind's a laser show 90% mm -hmm. of the time. And so in order for me to be successful, or win the day by at least one percent, hopefully, uh, uh, consistently. My day has to start off winning with yeah. a layered success in my book. And this is on the weekends when I don't go to work. I need to be doing something active to get a win in the column. Yeah. In order for me to feel accomplished for the day, and F three does that yeah. massively. Whether the workouts are super hard or not, but I'm I'm rejuvenated through male leadership with me, guys who aren't afraid to speak their mind and me for to listen because they don't have the time to argue back because we're working out, yep. but something might get tossed and passing and then it makes you think. And then on top of that, the coffee and camaraderie after is super engaging. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's very surface, which is good too. Uh, and so it's got a really great balance of that. And it provides the opportunity for an outlet to lead. And the one thing that I thought was really interesting was my first cue and then subsequent cues after when you go and lead a workout, that's a hundred percent voluntary in a sense where you're leading grown men of very similar uh, lifeboat through something hard and there's no questions asked. Yeah. Whereas in everywhere else in our life, whether it be church, there's no, there's no massive struggle through that. And you're placed there generally by somebody else to do it because you're working for somebody else. Whether it be like another institution, hey, would you take over this little project? Or, hey, my job needs me to do this. So there's another heightened sense of variability or Un uncomfortable being uncomfortable to go do that as a volunteer element and when all the other guys are looking at you when you're in the middle of the circle so it was something i didn't felt even in the marine corps when hmm. i was placed there by the u.s government to lead 40 guys yeah so it was really cool to get that under your belt and so that's a tool that you now have forever of a sense of accomplishment and, and confidence it's something that i don't really 
it, it is something for me that has been glossed over because mm-hmm. I I do a lot of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, you don't realize that there's a lot of people, and so I had to kind of learn those things yeah. and, and kind of people pushed me to do that sort of thing yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of take it over. Yeah. But there's a lot of people in our group that have never done that. 100%. And uh, it is such a big, there was, I can't remember who it was. Khakis was telling me about it one time that there was just this guy who who kept trying to get on the queue and then he'd sort of back out because he would, because he was just so nervous. Yeah. And then you just, it just makes you wonder how many people, how many men in our communities yes. uh, are just exactly like that. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't think, and with the same thread, I guess I would say some people are more predispositioned to lead in a greater capacity for a larger amount of people than others. But at the same time, I don't think men give themselves enough credence that you're leading every day on various levels. Oh, yes. Yourself. They don't realize it. Your family. Maybe you're a caregiver to your parents that are elderly. Whatever that is, you are not noticing that sense of uh, of confidence builder there either. So if you think of that as oblig- obligatory or I'm just doing this because I have to and I want to, but you aren't actually giving it the credence of like, no, this is, should be empowering to me too. Like I can, I'm handling this. You know what I mean? Part of my language. So, you know, like, and and that should propel you to go forward. So the, um, I'm going to have to bleep that. <laughs> I have a clean You're lucky pot. it's only been not, once. Yeah. I got a mouth, man. <laughs> the um My wife's might be worse, but no, mine's up there. Well, I mean, I think there's reason, you know, there's times for that. I think the um the so this was really interesting to me because and I wonder if you picked up on this. It, I can't remember which episode it is, and I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it, but it was a Joe Rogan mm-hmm. uh podcast. And I think he was talking to a physician, but I could be wrong. And it was the very end, uh, the very end of the conversation. It's probably a month ago. And he and the guy they were talking about this. You know, people need a place to go and do something hard every day mm-hmm. and start their day mm-hmm. with something that's that's difficult. That's mm-hmm. you basically articulated my approach to to physic physical same. things, same. right? Yep. It's exactly the yep. same. And you need a and and you need a place that you can exercise ideas and yep. and kind of work them out with people that might agree with you or disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, totally. And um and so the guy was like, yeah, Joe, you should create a set of gyms across the country. And I was like, I was like, you, you just described F three totally, and um, and so uh, so I actually I I emailed them. They haven't gotten back to me. But yeah. I was like, you need to talk to Dread. You need yes. to talk to guys of of F three. Great because, point. Um, because this is exactly what mm-hmm. people need, and they don't know they need it. I mean, yeah. to me, it's always astounding when when the curse brought told me to you know he's like, well, yeah, you should come yeah. after I had asked him about mm-hmm. it a couple times because I saw we I would run by the yeah. group at sure. Wild Kingdom, yeah. And, um, and I didn't know, I didn't know, like I needed a workout. I needed a different workout. Needed something. Yeah. Variance. Yeah. Yeah. I I was just getting tired of what I was doing. And I didn't realize that, that there was all this other sort of stuff that, that you need as a man. I I didn't even really need, I mean, I've always, I've got friend, guy friends. Totally, man. Mm -hmm. Good guy friends. But, you know, um. You just don't know you need stuff like that. Yeah. And um and I wonder how many people don't know they, yeah. they need it. And how mm. many people I mean, I ask patients too. I mean, I'll sit and sit and look at a patient and I can just tell. I can yeah. tell they, you know, what do you do? How do you work out? Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes like, ah, I don't work out. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm just, oh, that's not for me. Yeah, it's not for me. And it's like, 
you know, what are you doing? You know, I try to EH them, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But I always give them my cell phone. Yeah. If you ever decide I'll meet you anywhere in Omaha, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. do it. But, but my point is, is that, um, that how many guys are just going along? Yeah. Why, why do you think we've done that? I mean, C- I have some, culturally. I probably have some strong opinions on that. You should tell us. I think, um, yeah. I have a term for it, but it's a little, a little aggressive. Uh, I'll call it the weakification of, of American man leader, male leadership. We've seen it in churches. We've seen it in schools. We've seen it in coaching. Um, we've seen it in uh, early childhood development. And not saying that it's not. It's it's a it's basically somewhat of an element of nature versus nurture. However. We need to do hard things. The Bible tells us if you're a Christian, we nothing is easy, and everything you're doing in the past is now building you for something different in the future. So at this point in time, everybody that's going to listen to this podcast, all hundreds of thousands of them, <laughs> uh, have already survived their hardest day of life. Hmm. Okay? So with that should come confidence. Okay? And also- Their hardest day to that point. To that point. Yep. Right? So- we would not be able to um, 10x that tomorrow. It would be 1x and survive the next day. It's always on the uh, the peripheral, the edge of that hardest thing. Very, and you know, my grandma has a, a saying: "This too shall pass." Time mm-hmm. is a is a is a variable. Or sorry, not the variable is the constant that almost heals all and allows us to basically survive that stuff if we give it the time. Now, with that being said. You have to endure it. You don't get the confidence without going through the hard work. It's the same concept of you prepare the the child for the path, not the path for the child. Like I do, I'm doing my daughter no service by not letting her fall on her bike mm. when she's learning to ride it. Mm. Training wheels are good to a certain extent, but can be debilitating over time. Uh, a kid's bank account that's always full from my doing is debilitating over time. Mm. We have lost the ability to put the people that we love through through hard times or Strong accountability. Accountability to me is one of the highest forms of love because now I'm I am honoring and respecting the 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 um, potential you have that you've also expressed to me that you want to explore. You know, or um, and so for me, we don't do enough hard stuff. We live in a society of abundance. Mm. Um, most, I mean, people talk about world hunger. We have fewer people that go hungry every day than we've ever had in our entire lives, a world of existence. I mean, the, the, the floor has risen, right? So struggle is being limited to other things now. And how do we get through those? It's a lack of sense of purpose of things that are bigger than ourselves. So we think that, you know, at times everything ends with us, you know, that's hard. When we understand that there's things that are bigger than us, it's easier to endure the hardships that you might endure, whether it be a family member passing, abuse, neglect, um, you know, stuff like that. And it gives you perspective. Uh, I, I, uh, Bruce Lee has a great quote, uh, which was, I heard from Jordan Peterson on mm-hmm. Road Rogan Cat podcast was, uh, I'd rather be, you, you want to have uh, a warrior in the garden, not a gardener in the war. Mm. So, taming and, and and focusing the energies it takes to be a warrior is far greater of an impact than trying to develop warrior uh personality as a gardener mm. doesn't really work it's say uh, when the marine corps you know uh or, or parenting it's much easier to start off with a heavier hand than bring a heavier hand forward after mm. and so 
not, you know, we, they need it. People need to learn what no means. You know, those are, those are things that, and we got to step up because it takes, it's hard. Stepping up is, is hard. And, and, and almost it, where you really need to have that impact, it numbs their, your voice next time. Yeah. You know, where you can truly affect the outcome of their livelihood if they don't listen, you know, or they do listen. Mm. That's, that's true. That's really, that's a great point about that. That's perspective. You know, I, I, my mind kind of went to back to the relationship side when you are putting these, uh, the, these t- confines of, of, a, of a time frame of something going on, you start to reevaluate who you trust, who you can trust, who's in that inner circle for you. And then also you reevaluate how you have been going about your diligence on knowing the right or learning to ha- so you have the position you can have versus just assuming somebody else's position. And I think that's really important too is having that the, the the cognitive ability to say, hey, you know what? I need to do some I need to do some of my own research on this. Hmm. You know, it's making me rethink how we were doing something before. I should probably go back and just make sure I'm educated so I check my own self going forward. Because we can't change the past, you know. So how are we gonna prepare next time as as, as a person who I'm leading, myself and my family, uh, uh, for the next situation so we can endure and come out on the other side a little stronger. Yeah. You know. Do you think, um, so two years in almost, well, I guess not about a year and a half in with F3, Mm -hmm. um, has your, has your approach or has your, um, sense of it, your feeling about it, has it evolved over that year and a half? Yeah. I think there's a maturation process to almost anything, including, um, F3. I think the one, not the one thing, one of the things that I've really taken away from it is, um, when you're in a position, you know, I, I were, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. I, I, I'm self-employed and I, I answer to myself or the people I work for, but I can tell people, no, I don't want to work. Like you're largely in control of your own domain. And when you go into a group voluntarily like that and you want to main, maintain attendance, there's sometimes you have to take a, a backseat, whether it's being a following role or just not talking role. Mm. And just listening. <laughs> and that's hard for me at times. It's hard for me. It's hard for me too. Yeah. So if it's taught me uh, with my wife coming home and, and, and allow myself to provide grace easier, which is very healthy for me. Also um, provide um, just the ability to listen and kind of just not always have to take a, a strong position of direction. I, I'm largely the mentality is like, well, we'll just get through it and put my head down. And we'll go. Just get behind me. Don't ask questions and we'll go, we'll get there. Might not be comfortable, but you know, or maybe the best way, but we'll get there. So it's allowed me a, a, a sense as I've gotten into it deeper. Um, there's a lot of good people out there that have good ideas and allows me to reference those and use those and take pieces of them, you know. And I think if we're if you're not taking, if you're not being selfish and taking some of those, you're probably approaching it wrong. It's not if you're just out there for the workout then I question your sincerity for being out there. And if you're not willing to admit that you're getting something intellectually from that, because that is an intellectual growth in itself is exercise, that you should probably dig a little deeper because there's something else that's going on in there. So for me, you know, you discover stuff when you're in the, in, in deeper parts of, of strain. And uh, whether it be through a workout or an intellectual exercise or hearing somebody that maybe you personally don't necessarily like and they have the floor, if you give the space, tension can release, and now you're actually coming from a place of trying to understand versus trying to combat. And that's been uh, that's really cool, I think, and and gives you patience. You know, sometimes my patience is super short, and I think that's allowed for a lot more patience. Uh, I think that's really good. And 
Um, that's an ebb and flow. But um, in the beginning, I think I was largely just wanting to be around and be involved and like excited about the workout and excited about the morning. Well, then that, that kind of wears off because that's emotional. And then now we get into more of a deeper meaning of, hey, we're, we're, we're developing relationships, going to the men's retreat, you know, uh, hearing other guys speak about their trials and struggles and from guys that you largely think have their stuff together. Yeah. And you realize that, guys, we are all far greater in alignment than we are in uh, uh, disalignment or uh, alignment. And so it's all a variation of on the, on the spectrum of like, hey, how far are we away from where we need to be, you know? Uh, in CrossFit, there was a there's a uh, spectrum of wellness, and it's either illness or health, and you're you're either moving the dial one way or uh, the other with whatever choice you make, and I think that's largely true for a lot of things of health, wellness, uh, re- emotional uh, emotional health, uh, you know, relationships, you know, all that stuff is what decisions are you making to get closer to the wellness of that of that uh, world part of your world and. So you got to make more decisions in that favor of wellness than you are of illness, of health. Because uh, if you don't, that's where, you know, that for me, like more anger, bitterness, anxiety, uh, frustration, a lack of grace, you know, and, and, and you're depriving yourself and you're causing strain and, and like going against the grain. I feel myself getting in a, in a better state of flow when I can un- release some of that and, and continue to move forward without letting those hooks get in me. And so that's what I've been seeing a lot from F3 is the emotional growth that you get from just hearing and seeing other men operate. Tyson Compton, thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thank we, you. When I do these F3 uh, um, interviews, I always finish it the same way we, we finish mm. a workout. So I'll let uh, I'll let you start. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Tyson Compton, 36, LPC. LPC, Christopher Wolf, 40, Cataracts. Cataracts. Thanks, man. Hey. Thanks for doing it. Awesome Appreciate time. It.